Hello everyone, welcome to the 164th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. This is our Keep It Secret, Keep It Safe. I can't even say it right. It's it's so secret and so safe, I can't pronounce it, because this is our Secret Invasion miniseries, which, spoiler alert, will be interrupted by our Indiana Jones Mission Impossible reviews, but keep it secret, keep it safe. Secret Invasion. You might know me. I'm Bill Bodkin, or am I? Um, I am the editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. I'm just doing the intro this week because hosting for the first time in a millennia, like he's coming down from space like Nick Fury, but with both eyes to talk about this brand new six-part Marvel miniseries. Uh, he just scored his first print byline for NJ.com this week. I am so proud, and I could say this is another thing that we have it uh, in our careers in common. Mr. Al Manorino. Oh, always with the fantastic intros. Thank you, Bill. Uh, so excited to be hosting tonight, even though I am not prepared. Are you ever? No. Well, we've only been doing this for three and a half years. 164 <laughs> episodes, apparently. Why not? Uh, joining us, it's kind of like a Moon Knight reunion. Uh, he was our resident guest for that. Of course, he is also the co-host of Pop Break's Not Couple Goals podcast, which is on the Pop Break Today feed. Um, some would say that he had a Hobbit-like culinary journey through South Africa not long ago. That's a joke only we'll get. Uh, he is the magical lad, Tyler McCarthy. Sir, welcome back. Thank you. So happy to be here for this Moon Knight reunion, this secret invasion kickoff. Al, glad to have you back in the hosting chair. Excited to see what happens. Uh, and if it's bad, you can just say you were a scroll the whole time and everyone will let you off the hook. I do sometimes believe one or uh, a scroll. I might be. And he might be. Uh, his, no dog, way to know. his dog definitely is. Um hundred percent. It's Ryan. Yeah, it's Ryan and 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 the hops are the same. It's Ryan just... is way too incompetent to be a squirrel. There's no mm, way. But that's what he wants you to think. Mm. Um, we do want to give a shout out to our co-host Amanda Rivas, who had a personal situation she had to attend to. She will be back next week to make this show better. Amanda, I know your sister's in town, so you know. I hope you share all the negative things you've said on this podcast about her with her when you see it, because <laughs> she's probably heard it. So good luck with that. But let's do a segment we have not done in a long time because our sh our shows have been like epic so length. long. <laughs> I'm sorry that we picked movies to do, guys. It's the first long time we movies. did it. I know. Uh, we're going to pregame. And guys, it's it's a juicy one this week. We're going to talk about the trailer for uh, another Marvel property. Uh, this one produced in association with Sony. We're going to talk about the trailer for the Aaron Taylor Johnson starring Craven the Hunter, which will be coming out this October. Uh, of course, if you don't know Craven, uh, he is one of Spider-Man's most notorious villains. Um, and this trailer was a trailer all right al i would love to get your thoughts uh your exact thoughts on what you thought of this trailer this trailer was butt soup like <laughs> straight up bad this is not this is not 
This is not good. This is exactly what we don't want in a superhero movie. This is the most bland, paint-by-numbers, bullshit, villain, question mark, movie, origin story, slash, like, we're supposed to be rooting for, like, a legit murderer. Like, this is a Spider-Man villain. Uh, You know, he's not an anti-hero like Venom. Like, Kraven is a bad guy straight up there's no like it's like if they made a dr octopus movie or or the lizard like you're not supposed to root for these guys anyway we have aaron taylor aaron taylor johnson uh love the guy loved him since kick-ass probably should be bond um yes he no he looks absolutely incredible in this movie he looks like um uh scars guard did uh for uh, that tarzan movie uh, or the it Northman, was like, called it was called Tarzan. I know I called the Tarzan movie because no one gives a shit about it. But like he, <laughs> he looks bad. He looks like he has negative fifty five percent body fat. He looks so goddamn good in this movie. And you got Russell Crowe, who I think actually lost weight, which is a good change of pace for him as well. Um, but yeah, and, and Oscar winner Ariana DeBose is also in his. Sure, throw her in there too. This movie looks so shitty. It does. It really does. From the moment, it's so unnecessarily, so unnecessary and so just bad all the way through. Um, You know, Sony is trying to make a living with the Spider-Man property. We've known this for a long time now. Uh, They're making a third Venom film, even Mm -hmm. though the first two are not uh, that good. The, the first one's I don't even know if it's a cult classic. I didn't even watch them. I didn't but I don't them. I don't know if it's considered a cult classic, but I've heard zero things about the second one uh in terms of it being good. Uh and they are making a third one. We are getting a spider uh, a Madam Web movie, I believe. Yes, with Dakota mm-hmm. Johnson. With Dakota Johnson and that could be good. No, it can't. It can't. <laughs> it can't. It can't. <laughs> It can't, Bill. You know why? It's just a second helping of butt soup. And you know why, though? And I'm going to tell you the reason why. Go ahead. These are Spider-Man villains. <laughs> Spider-Man villains. Without Spider-Man. This is like making a a, a, a Brainiac movie. This is like making a, a, a Riddler movie. It is not necessary. Or a Joker and movie. I didn't say that one. And I that's I, that's, a, that's a whole other animal. But... But wait, do you wait, Bill? Are you saying that like that's a feather in its cap? Like that's it's not true. a good. That's no. not a good movie. No, but, but you know, listen to any podcast I'm on talking about them. I'm not a. Fan. But the whole yeah. like again, I, I'm before I get into you guys. Like the my my main problem with these is like if if you're going to make something like this, yeah, make it good. Make it different. Make it make it like whoa, they're taking this character in this direction. Like that's what I thought. When they announced that Noah Hawley was going to make a Doctor Doom movie, okay, I was like, yeah. that's mm-hmm. going to be fucking cool. Because he is not this. Like, he is not paint by numbers. He's not going to make a standard, like, look at this, like, this guy was wronged and this is why he's doing this. Or to that effect, like, he's a hero. Like, that's not what these should be. These guys are, he was a member of the Sinister Six at one point, probably. The Sinister Six, that is not a hero. Venom literally eats people. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he does. He does. Yeah. So I, I, it, I just, I have a problem with Sony really trying to milk everything out of the Spider-Man properties in live action because they're doing such a goddamn good job in animation. They're crushing it. Oh yeah. Not, but across the Spider Verse, 
oh everything God. they're doing there, and even like Spidey and his amazing friends on Disney Plus. Oh, yeah, fantastic! What a great show for kids! Like they're really, really doing well, and they've had a great track record of making great animated things with Spider-Man. But the big part about that is it has fucking Spider-Man in it. These don't. <laughs> These don't, and they're they're so unnecessary and bad, and they really need to, if they're going to continue doing it, they need to figure out a way to make them interesting and not make this like, this could be anyone, but you just you just slapped a Craven the Hunter sticker on it. That's why it looks so bad to me. Bill. It's like, it's like the Point Break remake, because if you would put another name on it, it's just like, oh, this is okay. Like, if this was like called like anything else, if it was called like the Ducks, hunter. The hunter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, okay, this looks passable. You know what I mean? This Aaron would be Ta- a $5 DVD at Walmart. This, this, if if Aaron Taylor Johnson was not in this film, this would have gone direct to DVD. Like I yeah. like for or streaming for sure. Like who Aaron Taylor Johnson, who also looks bored out of his brains. Happy Pride Month, everyone. I get it. He's got all the abs and all the muscles and all the looks. <laughs> I think Aaron Taylor Johnson, outside of Kick-Ass, I am not a fan of his acting. He just looks bored as balls at all times. Like, I- I've seen so much of him with an... And why does he have an American accent? Like, just let him have a British accent. Russell Crowe is doing something even more bonkers than Zeus. And I don't want to hear any more Thor Love and Thunder slander about his character <laughs> after this bullshit. Like, it, this looks, I seen both trailers, the regular trailer, the Red Band trailer. Okay, he hacks a guy's nose off, and you see the blood in the Red Band trailer. That doesn't sell the movie for me. The director's J.C. Shander, a Jersey represent. He did A Most Violent Year, which is a critically acclaimed movie. He's done some good work, but man, this this just triple frontier i heard that is very enjoyable and margin call gets has a lot has a cult following so he's done stuff he did all is lost that movie with uh with redford right yeah he says like like five words in it yeah like this guy has chops he has a resume and they've put him here like i feel like they could have had a there's a much more interesting movie to tell here and they were like you know what let's not and say we did and <laughs> i i just don't get it and i just watched into this across the spot first on father's Day. pardon me that movie is unbelievably great yeah. like unbelievably beautifully animated so complex such a a crowded movie with such a singular story it's it's hilarious it's everything i want and they make this in live action it's just like guys get with lord and miller and the entire team that made the Spider-Verse movies and say, guys, help us with the live action stuff. Yeah. Any ideas you have. It doesn't have, everything doesn't have to be Spider-Verse, but there's creativity there. This does not feel creative at all. And I, if I'm Marvel, I'm just like, I'm going to forget this exists. Much like Morbius. Um, I, we'll stick I, with Mobius Mobius. For, and literally we'll, forgot about morbius like when we were well i am here to remind you thanks to morbius thanks to venom like disney and the marvel spider-man they can't forget about whatever they're making morbius was a bomb in the box office and then three times they talked about it online as a joke and they they're like oh man people are talking about this we gotta bring this movie back and it bombed again and again and again so um bill like i totally agree with everything you're saying and 
um, I I really want to get into that what 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 Bill said specifically, Tyler, with who would who would you want to put in charge of the spider the Sony Spider Verse? Who is their James Gunn or who's their Kevin Feige or who is their Lord and Miller? Like who who do you think has the chops to be like, all right, let's 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 stop and kind of reset here. Like I know you want to make money and you have a lot of properties. Like this is how you should do it. Yeah, I I don't know at this at this point I don't know if there is anyone I respect who I would damn to inherit this uh, uh, franchise. I'm gonna call it a franchise, but it's so strange because to we're like we love these kind of movies, we love these kind of connected ventures, we love Spider Man, all of this stuff. Yeah. But like even us with our PhD in Spider Man in the Sony Disney yeah. uh, uh, dichotomy of it all. I have no clue where they're trying to take this franchise. We don't know what Spider-Man they live in a world with. Like, is it Garfield? Is it Maguire? Is it a little of both because of all the Venom post-credit scenes and all of that? Then you've got multiverse stuff where uh, Michael Keaton's Vulture is there and in Morbius. And like, again, even us with, with who are diehards about this, who are in the know about this, have no clue what's going on, and yet they keep coming out with these movies. We're getting craven, and I don't know where it fits into the Spider-Man multiverse of it all. I don't know where they're going with it, and I think that's, like, a big problem at this point. It's almost like they're chasing a fad, if you will, or a dream that's more than a decade old. You know, in 2012, it was like the Avengers was so successful. So let's do what we can to make all these kind of team up movies. That's why the Fast and the Furious kind of thrived and all of these sort of like heist, but really action movies kind of thrived. That's why DC started kicking off its thing with like Batman versus Superman for better or worse and all of that. Team ups were the thing. So now they're trying to move us toward this Sinister Six and they want us to be excited to have like Venom, meet Morbius, meet Vulture, meet uh, Craven, And no one's taking a step back and being like, no one likes any of these. Not We're throwing person. money at the problem. We're not throwing creativity at the problem. It's We're not throwing anyone who can make this a cohesive thing, nor are we legally allowed to make it super cohesive because we don't know if Garfield's back. We don't know if Holland's yeah. going to be back or in on this. It's, it's just a mess. I, um, I kind of, I blame, I kind of blame Venom because it was a pretty big hit in yeah. the box office. And yeah. I believe Sony must've saw that and said like, all right, this is it. We're going to start it. We're going to start the <laughs> but, universe. And it's the complete opposite of what happened somewhat recently with the, the Universal Monsters. When they're like, yeah. we're going to make the mummy. And here is everyone else. They're all coming. The mummy comes out. It flops. So like, guess what? We lied. None of it's coming. It's over. That's like, that could have been what this was if Venom failed. But also, now bro, don't like, get mad. We'll put you in uh, Craven. Yeah. I, yeah. I, but they, okay. I think, Al, the, the problem people, they didn't realize is, Venom, while being a villain, is really popular. No, like he's, he's mega popular. But, he, but none of the other, yeah. But they don't realize that no one. That's else it. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Like you can't. Like that's you, so interesting. You're right. You have Eddie Brock there to like soften the the villainy. And yeah. you and like the the interesting Doc Ock movies. Like if you made a Doc Ock movie, we're done in Spider Man Two and Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah. Oh, no, you no, don't have sure. a story to tell. 
with those guys. None of the Sinister Six villains or even some of these, like, again, the Sinister Six has changed lineups sure. ever throughout the years um, since the 60s. None of the other villains have, like, we're heroes now. Like, they don't have, like, big arcs where they're either anti-heroes or whatever. It's really just Venom. There's a Venom series from the 90s called Lethal Protector, where he was, that's like the start of him becoming like an anti-hero. And then throughout later runs of comics, like Venom was um, a member of the uh, Thunderbolts. Like he's been like a hero and a villain and here and a villain, here and a villain. Kraven's a murderer. Like Kraven's a straight up bad guy. Morbius, bad guy. Uh, Any of these other fuckers, bad guys, Madam Web, bad guy. Like that's not like compelling for us to go to the theater and kind of watch these bad guys turn into good guys and then potentially team up to fight spider-man for reasons it's weird (laughs) it's it's it doesn't seem like it's put together i don't know if there's i don't know if there's anyone i'm looking through all of them and i'm like uh was fancy dan was he a good guy (laughs) like i i don't know who any of these none of these cats jump out as having a heroic arc it's like hobgoblin electro sandman it's like no it's, they're it's all honestly bad. like if they made a thanos movie and they said he's a good guy now yeah, yeah. it's like let's make like what, a family like a family comedy with thanos nebula and gamora okay but hear before me they that got sounds it. pretty great i know but before <laughs> yeah i know i know well it's like that's your best carrot. pitch i know that's your best pitch on this podcast it is ever uh, but yeah it's, it's i think the whole this whole thing i don't know who can salvage it i don't know how you salvage it I just honestly think you wait until Marvel tells you when the next Spider-Man movie they want to do is, and then you just keep making the animated stuff, which is yes, so much yeah. more interesting. But the thing that I guess the thing that bothers me the most is, and we've talked about this a lot on this podcast too, is like, where is the Disney pile, like the the truck pile of money to Sony? Just like, just hand it over. We'll hand it over. No, Wait, just, you mean like have Disney hand over? No, have have Sony hand over. Have Sony hand over the Spider-Man rights? Yeah. Well, I mean, they now have most of the movies over there to stream. They just got the rights to Hulk and Namor. Although yeah. uh, Namor will definitely be on hold. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering, like, Sony is independent of. It's a stupid question, I know. Sony is independent of Universal, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say Universal oh, now has the, zero, zero they ha- properties. Right, they just have the um, parks the park properties. Parks. Right, and they Which, got all the Universal monsters in the Fast and the Furious franchise. Guys, it's a wonderful company. I, I'm just speaking independently. Uh, <laughs> did, did they? Well, someone just started the MonsterVerse cartoon series on Netflix, and I, I wasn't sure if that was starting with Godzilla. And I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Like, oh, uh, that's fun. Yes, and and Warner Brothers does have that too. No, Universal has a lot of good stuff. It's just I'm wondering, just like with Sony, it's just like because they know they can get they would the price tag would be so ridiculously high they're not going to do it. They're going to be like five, they're like ten billion dollars. And I get it. If I'm a studio exec, it's like I'm sitting on all of these characters with name recognition. They're adjacent to Spider-Man, who's like the most successful franchise. Yeah. Yeah. You're telling me I got to make a movie with this rogues gallery once every couple of years and I can just sit back and count my money. Of course, I'm going to do it. Who knows? Like one of them might hit. You know what I mean? We might get like DC for all of its, uh, you know, uh, uh, pitfalls. Fumbles and fumbles. 
yeah. for all of its fumbles it had it had uh, the first wonder woman which we were all like in love yeah, with so good Except and you know act. yeah and then you look you can look back and be like all right we were all just a little enamored but it has its problems but 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 and then all subsequent attempts have been big whiffs in my opinion and i don't think that's a controversial opinion yeah. but sony's sony can just keep throwing projects at the wall and hope one of them when hits. do they start getting when does it start being like when do we start seeing the headlines that says Craven's Craven the Hunter costs Sony four hundred million dollars? Like what? Because that's that's happened. Like in the last, like what was the? I mean, with the Flash, they just did that. Yeah, the Flash. Yeah, and Elemental. Elemental both uh, Bob did box. That was like a four hundred million dollar movie or something, or two hundred million dollar movie, something crazy. Like I think we're gonna get to that point, and I'm wondering, it's like, is Disney just waiting for them to like keep failing? And they're like, all right, we'll give you twelve dollars for spider-man <laughs> like you know what i mean like they're gonna not have money i think they've got to, a, to make gr- these things i worry it's, they've got a grander plan given all the integration with like tom hardy and grander plan i feel like that they're tom gonna hardy thing at the end was amy pascal and sony being like you need to make venom make sense of this movie because oh. <laughs> it also- doesn't yeah, it but it does they, not make sense. But they also have uh, they sunk 130, r- rumored 130 just for production on Craven. Um, really, they're gonna make a Miles Morales movie live action. That's the, the latest thing. But I'm like, why you just did Spider Verse? It's perfect. Like, I, I they're gonna they're gonna kick this until they start costing themselves just dumb money and they have to sell and that's i think that's a long ways away here here's a promise i'm gonna give you right now in this one. Oh boy we'll move oh on boy. to secret evasion oh if they do not have someone running the spider-man ship pre-miles morales they will lose the property in one way or another fans are going to fucking flip out if they fuck that movie up it's yeah. so important that they do not mess miles Morales. he is now because of spider-verse one of the most recognizable superheroes in the world. Yes, 100%. And he is an icon to a community and to millions and millions of kids who never saw representation. Like, that is such that's such a, a big weight on their shoulders. They really can't mess this up. If they do, people are not going to come back to these movies. They really need to not mess this movie up. I think I we're really a that- long way away from it, though. I worry that if a Sony exec heard what you just said, they would have stopped listening at like he's a cultural icon and been like, "Oh yeah, cool." And then they yep. start rubbing their green. Like, yeah, we have our own Black Panther. Yes, yeah, we have our own Black Panther. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's going to take us not seeing uh, us, the collective us, not the three yeah. of us, us not Who seeing Craven, us not seeing Madame Web. Oh, oh I don't so, think I don't think Craven's going to be a problem. Yeah, I think I think they're eventually. Oh, I got my tickets pre-ordered. Yeah, what does this fucking movie come out? They'll they'll stop beating this dead horse when it stops spitting out money. (laughs) I I mean, yeah. So guys, so let's let's move on to something. In in (laughs) simple, Al, in simple terms, the Craven trailer, butt soup, butt soup, everybody served fresh, hot, and awful. Yeah, uh, so it's gonna be so but, much harder to talk about something we liked. It's but, so- well, before <laughs> but, we do, well, let's say something positive. Aaron Taylor Johnson, hot AF in this trailer. Agreed. Congratulations, and good, everybody. Like, if you haven't seen Bullet Train, he's actually quite good. He's in that, great in Bullet like, Train. You have to watch he, Bullet Train, Bill. Yeah, it still doesn't sell me that he should be James Bond, though. So I am I, gonna. That's fair, but he's he's incredibly watchable. Yes. Okay, so before we kick into something we actually do like, 
we're going to step aside for a moment to uh, hear about a couple other shows you might be hearing on the Pop Break Podcasting Network. Hello, I'm Daniel Cohen, former film editor of thepopbreak.com, and I've got a Batman podcast for you. We discuss Batman's past, present, and future, and do a lot of rankings episodes. Yes, we rank the movies, villains, that's not all. We even ranked all the Batman movie trailers throughout history. Yes, we ranked Batman trailers. I dare you to find another Batman podcast that did that. So join me and frequent hosts Alex Marcus and Bill Bakken, as well as a plethora of bad guests as we discuss Batman and plenty of DC on film as well. Also, fair warning, I'm a BBS fan, but don't let that scare you away. Trust me, I get mocked and ridiculed more than the Martha line for taking that stance. So relax and tune in on the last Tuesday of every month on the Pop Break Today feed. Hey everyone, I'm Marshall and she's Courtney and we're your hosts of Blurred Watchers Podcast here on the Pop Break. Come hang out with us as we discuss, cross-examine, theorize, summarize, and review our favorite offerings. And tangents, there will be tangents, whether it be live, streaming, or anything in between. If we watch it and think it's cool, we invite you to come hang with us as we all talk about it. Our episodes post every third Monday on the Pop Break Podcast feed. See you there. Bye. My name is Bill Bodkin, Editor-in-Chief of ThePopBreak.com. Join me on the third Thursday of every month as I dive deep into the iconic music scene of Asbury Park, New Jersey, on my new podcast, Anchored in Asbury. Every month, I sit down with my friends, colleagues, and some of the most exciting names in the Asbury music scene to talk about their latest works, most personal inspirations, and their connection to the city that Bruce built. Follow the show on the Pop Break Today podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Hey everyone, I'm Michelle. And I'm DJ. And we host Roses and Rejections, a podcast that talks about all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Each week we'll give you our insights into the delicious mess that is the Bachelor franchise. We also cover other reality shows and give you our hot takes on the good, bad, and all the in-between. Catch us every Wednesday during the Bachelor season. Or every other Wednesday while The Bachelor isn't airing. In the Pop Break TV feed, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Al. The distress signal has been uh, sent to Nick Fury, and it is your time to take over and host this show. All right. So we are talking about Secret Invasion, the new Disney plus Marvel series. Uh, It just aired its first episode on Wednesday, June 21st, 2023, if you're listening to this in the future. Um, Six episode series, another short kind of event series um this is based off the um kind of infamous marvel comics run i say infamous and and i'll get into that a little bit later um but it is based off the uh, infamous uh marvel comics run by brian michael bendis and uh leon francis Yu. i think i messed that up very badly but i know he is the artist uh who did the eight question mark issue run of secret invasion this is off off my memory and not off Wikipedia, which I forgot to pull up. But um, before we get into our first segment, I would love to just talk about uh, the Scrolls Secret Invasion. Uh, guys, are you familiar 
with um, kind of this era of Marvel Comics. Um, were you reading at this time, uh, Tyler? No, not at all. I've got enough, no no comics knowledge. I'm, the most I've got is uh, having seen Captain Marvel. Excellent. And then Bill? Well, I am familiar with the scrolls going back to my early comic book days in the early 90s. Um, I also, I know they were big with, and correct me if I'm wrong, Al, because they probably in Fantastic Four had a lot yes, to do with the scrolls. Uh, and I know the Avengers did as well. Uh, I also was out on this one. Uh, although there is an interesting... Um, quote that the uh Ali Salem who is the director and kind of showrunner of this series said that Marvel told him not to read the comic yeah. before he started this and I'll talk about that in a second uh because <laughs> I have seen the graphic novel in Barnes and Noble on end caps I'm always like man I want to pick that up but if this influences the series because I'm now thank I'll be happy with this I am now really uh given my run of rewatching all of the MCU really big into buying graphic novels and i really want to buy this one but you're now telling me it's infamous so maybe i shouldn't yeah i'm, I'm on the edge of my seat about this i thought yeah. I liked this one so yeah, I, say, me too. <laughs> I say infamous people might might completely disagree me but um back in 2006 or seven i think it's 2007 i really got into comics about a, about a month before i started dating my now wife uh, I started getting into comics. My friends took me to a local uh, comic show that was happening in the uh, Hilton in uh, Manahawken, uh, in one of these small rooms with like a bunch of tables, uh, Manahawken, where I live in New Jersey. And um, I said, where do I start? Like, what do I, what do I read? Like, I want to know, like, I came with you guys. I want to pick up some stuff. They said, well, they just finished this series um, where all the superheroes fight each other. It's called Civil War. So I said, oh, cool. And I go to all the tables and I basically pick up the full seven issue run of Civil War. And I'm like instantly hooked. And I'm like, this is awesome. This was the coolest thing ever. And that was uh, Mark Mark Millar and uh, Steve McNiven's, uh, you know, now famous run of Civil War, where, um, of course, the end of that was uh, Cap dying, which made national news. Um, but that what? era of... I, own. Era, I, I actually had that one so that era of marvel comics um i, I don't remember the exact uh start of it but uh brian Mac brian Mac Mac brian michael bendis uh co-creator of miles morales we're just talking about him he um started a, a book series called new avengers where he basically made a new avengers team who a really cool like ass team too is it, it was like uh wolverine spider-man luke cage uh jessica jones um like all these awesome characters and cool. literally in the first issue he starts planting <laughs> he starts planting the seeds for what would be secret invasion so it would be um i think like 31 issues into the series um electra or yeah electra gets uh gets killed again and then, <laughs> and then you see the dead body turn into a scroll oh. and then the whole thing is who's a scroll who has been a scroll this whole time and it leads into this big event series with all these tie-ins called secret invasion right um it was super disappointing it was really cool but it was so much build it was like years and years of build up to get to this big event and we we're like holy shit who's a scroll who's been a scroll this whole time who's been missing and like there was you know people die and all this kind of stuff but like it just it just didn't live up to the hype that I'd been building and I was buying every issue and every tie in. I was like, I got to get this all. And then it just like kind of sucked. So I totally understand 
why he uh, said to not read the series. And it's not that it's just bad. It was just, it just really didn't live up to the hype for me. But that whole era of Marvel Comics is really awesome because you get um, Civil War and the New Avengers and uh, a great run of Spidey and, uh, you know, and again, another infamous run of Spidey with One More Day, which was, again, kind of something that made national news. But we'll, we'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, but let's get into our first segment which is called holy shit it's nick fury and this is uh, <laughs> this is uh which you stole from one of our other ones i don't remember what it was <laughs> um but this is a, a a wikipedia description of the first episode which is uh, titled <laughs> resurrection directed by ali salim is that how you say it yes. and written by kyle brandstreet and brian tucker in Moscow, Talos pursues Everett K. Ross for killing CIA, CIA agent Prescott, who theorized Skrull rebels are plotting to incite war between, between Russia and the United States. Maria Hill arrives to assist Ross, but discovers he is a Skrull and calls Nick Fury. Returning to Earth to meet with Talos, Fury learns Talos has been exiled from the Skrull Council and former ally Gravik has taken a leadership position with the rebels. Fury is kidnapped by M- MI6 agents and taken to meet old acquaintances. Old acquaintance Sonia Fallsworth, played by the amazing Olivia Coleman. Mm-hmm. He proposes an alliance to stop Gravik, but she refuses. Using a bug to eavesdrop on her and the Prime Minister, Fury and Talos locate another rebel. Vasily Porporshinshin, I cannot say his name, but Fury kills that guy after falling, failing to interrogate him. Talos reunites with his daughter, Ia. Mm. I, I think it was you were saying Gaia. 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 Yeah, Gaia. Who acquired dirty bombs for the rebels after he claims Gravik killed her mother, Soren. Gaia reveals the rebels' plans to attack some square in Russia, because I will not be able to pronounce that, on Unity Day and marks the bomb's locations. However, Fur- Fury, Hill, Talos discover the locations are decoys before Gravik detonates the bombs. In the ensuing chaos, Hill is shot by Gravik disguised as Fury. Fury and Talos are forced to flee. Abandon her. I mean, you didn't want to pronounce voice in the end, neither. <laughs> no. Because that's not even right. No, I didn't know you spoke perfect Russian. <laughs> oh, brother. I speak. Of, oh, brother. <laughs> oh, man. Now, are we getting into the Hawkeye pl- <laughs> Hawkeye pod now. <laughs> um, guys, oh, I, I love the tracksuit mafia. They were great. Oh, they were so great. God, I need another season of the show. Guys, oh. we're back. We're back in the Marvel TV series yes, landscape. But more importantly, Nick Fury's back. We haven't seen this man since the end, literally the tail end of Endgame. Crazy. He has not been actively involved in these movies and since Captain Marvel, which was a prequel guys what do you think about the return of mr fury has he lost his luster or are you ready to dive deep back with motherfucking sam jackson bill oh man this is great uh because i i you you think about nick fury and it's just like he's really only been like at the forefront of movies and tv shows essentially captain marvel and winter soldier like those are the two big ones that he has a chunk to do in it he's in multiple scenes like he's had important roles in all of these no doubt but some are bigger than others so to see but to see him headline his own thing after they said uh his first appearance was in iron man in 2008 
I mean, Christ, you're going 15 years later. He's finally getting his first headline. That's awesome. So yes, very into the character. And Samuel L. Jackson is just awesome. I mean, he's he was... I remember seeing him because I knew Nick Fury from the comics. And then there was that really weird period in the 90s where David Hasselhoff was Nick Fury in a bunch of TV movies. And it was <laughs> really weird. He kind of looked like them. And that's where it ended. But... I remember that it's like it's seeing him at the end of Iron Man. It's like it's Samuel L. Jackson. He's Nick Fury. I'm like, that's a wild casting choice. But he's just been that role. And to see him thrust into by the trailer and by watching the first episode, like this classic European spy thriller. Oh, this is this is everything I want and more because it's just it's not it. There will be sci-fi since there's scrolls, but there's so much espionage and just mm -hmm. seeing the master spy at work. And having these scenes with Olivia Coleman, I uh, I am here for it, guys. I am really here for it, Mr. Tyler. Uh, yeah, I mean, same with Bill. I I think they covered a lot of ground this episode. They built a lot of world in this episode, and uh, Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury is really at the heart of it. He's our he's our hero for for like lack of a better term. I'm not necessarily sure these these TV shows that they're doing need a central hero figure, but Nick Fury's our Luke Skywalker in this for all intents and purposes, our main character. And he's still got it. Like there, you sort of asked a double pronged question. Uh, does Nick Fury, has he lost his luster or does he still have it? I think this is, they're teeing up a story yeah. about Nick Fury having lost his luster, having yeah. changed since the blip, getting old, losing his faith and not necessarily being that master spy that he once was. That's why I think at the end of this episode, he loses. He gets played. That's why oh. I think the main antagonist is a, a younger guy. And that's why I think he's um, engaged in this. Like the younger guy's, uh, the younger antagonist's motivation is that Nick Fury kind of let him and his people down. Um, so I think this is going to be a story about Nick Fury getting that master spyness back or at least coming to terms with who he is without it but in terms of just being excited to see nick fury on the screen oh man samuel l jackson still got it that scene where he's interrogating that guy and i think there's like a line where he's like he he, he says like well that's your second lie like oh, i said yeah. everyone gets one no one gets two and the guy's like are you good what are you gonna shoot me and he goes maybe i mean not right now it's like that's so good He's got that swagger, even with Olivia Coleman, like he's losing that chess game, that classic espionage to old like adversaries talking. He's kind of losing the conversation, but he's still got that swagger, man. It's just, he's very watchable. And I commend Samuel L. Jackson. Um, he could, and I think he's played roles where he's got a certain apathy for them, a certain uh, I'm over this. And he, I don't know why I always assumed he was going to be like that in this, but no, he's like wholeheartedly, in this and i'm really excited to see where it goes next uh I, I just want to jump on something you said tyler he even kind of plays off that i think in the olivia coleman scene where they're like well we we renditioned you yeah and he's like i let you rendition me like he knew what he was doing i feel like he's like playing yeah. i feel like he's like he's still playing the game a bit like maria hill brings up i think her, her which i'm sure we'll get into like a really questioning fury losing a step and someone on twitter brought this up and I don't know if it was Alex, our podcast director, or it was someone else, about Nick Fury, like Thanos gets the jump on him. Like he did not predict mm. Thanos. He did not predict the snap. And he was taken, he was taken out of the game 
by Thanos. And he just wasn't taken out. He was erased from the game. So, I mean, that's a huge thing there. And I think that the, so that is weighing on his head, but also I think he's going to try and use that to his advantage. He's going to use his weakness, especially with people from earth. They use that advantage. So, oh, I'm going to like that. No one will get this out of me, but like the Terry Funk pro wrestler, I'm an old man. And all of a sudden does something crazy that you don't think the old man's going to do. And like, he plants the little camera on the owl while he's fumbling through the records. Oh, I can't take the alcohol. And it's just like, I feel a little bit of that's an act, but I also think that the point that Gravik is portraying himself human as a young black man portraying it's like i am the younger you nick fury and you have let me down almost like he's he said so let down almost as like a son being let down by a father almost like and he's yeah. like i am smarter than you and i'm going to shove it in your face because i am the younger better faster stronger version of you and that's really interesting to me. i think you're right i think everything because the scrolls were like early in nick fury's career they're pre his eye getting ripped out they're pre-avengers they're pre-tony yeah. stark they're pre-everything yeah. so Clark Craig had hair. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're his, they're his greatest failure or success. Like, and I think what you said, or what perhaps Alex said, or the person on Twitter, that you know, he said he had a crisis of faith. And I think maybe what you're alluding to is, yeah, he played the game as hard and as well as anyone can, and he still got taken off the board. He still got outplayed. He knew Thanos was a threat, and he still like failed to stop him. He blipped for five years. And the world was saved in his absence. So yeah, now he's like, I, I, why should I keep playing the game at the top tier when there's always some bigger, badder, smarter guy out there ready to take me off the board? Guys, Scary thought. I know. All great points. Uh, totally agree with with what you're saying in regards to if you're in. And, you know, he kind of, again, as uh, Tyler said, he alludes to why he's different now post blip this kind of crisis of faith i want to i kind of want to learn more about him being in space what the hell he was doing uh, well, we'll making, a sophistic- making a sophisticated defense system according to president mulrooney yeah i think it- <laughs> i love that we don't get his name which is like oh it's dermot mulroney's been yeah. elected president which It'd is be great now just called that. i know well it's now actually very possible this, this came up on our podcast my wife's gonna kill me when she listens to this is it mulroney or mulrooney mulroney mulroney he's, he's great in everything watch new girl my god i've seen new girl watch no no no. i'm Shameless. just no no no. i'm watch, just saying no no, no. i was saying gemstones no watch i'm not everything saying he's in he's great in everything no, i'm not saying it to you i was saying to our audience no yes. you were saying it to me no okay. i wasn't watch all deadly right. illusions it's not good but then you can listen to not couple goals about it anyway shameless all right Let's let's move Pop on to today feed. let's move on to the next segment. No plugs yet. No plugs. Um, <laughs> let's move on plugs. to the next segment. Uh, this one is simply titled "Secret Invaders," where we're talking about some of the new members uh, or new members of the cast, but also just new members to the uh, MCU that we have not seen yet. So let's start with uh, Gravik. Um, this uh, this new kind of adversary that uh, is both an adversary to Nick Fury and kind of like uh, I love that as you mentioned like a young black man showing like I'm younger and cooler and way smarter than you you're old now Mister. Um, now who is the actor who plays him? Kingsley Benadire. Okay, what is he from? Because he looks familiar. Uh, he was in 
Peaky Blinders. Uh, okay. he, he was also in High Fidelity, the series. He was uh, uh, the lead opposite uh, Zoe Kravitz. Heard that's very good. I, it was very good. Uh, one of the early TV break podcast reviews. Uh, he's going to be a Ken in Barbie. He played Malcolm X in One Night in Miami. Oh, very good. So, so he's um, got some been around. He's got, and that is, he does not have a long career. I think like his first credit is like 2017. Wow. Uh, no, 2013. So he's been doing this for 10, 12 years. Yeah. So we have Gravik. We have uh, <laughs> We have Ritson. That's the president of the United States. Well, oh, no. He should be President Mulroney. <laughs> I know. Um, we have uh, Gaia. Gaia. Thank you. And yep. uh, Sonia Fallsworth. Um, so, guys, what do you think about the new additions to the MCU? Um, I feel like this is kind of a a somewhat of a problem with what we've had with the Disney plus series where the newer characters are either kind of sidelined pretty quickly or just don't make an impression. Um, are you feeling that from any of these uh, new additions yet? Um, what, what are your general thoughts? Start with Tyler. Um, I think, I think Gravik is like a really good addition for all the reasons we're talking about. He's this younger version of Nick Fury. He's also driven by a cause at a time where our protagonist is having, as he puts it, a crisis of faith. Um, I think that just sets up a really interesting story, a really interesting arc for both him and Nick Fury. I'm really into it, but I will say, at least in this first episode, there's obviously a lot more to come. There's five more coming, but I feel like the actor didn't really get a chance to shine too much. He only had a couple scenes and then he had a lot of just like silent menacing looks to Nick Fury in that like Moscow Square Unity Day or whatever it was. Um, so I'm excited to see more of him, but he didn't pop immediately. Um, Sonia obviously popped pretty immediately. Yeah. Instantly. She's great. But I also don't know necessarily what her deal is they don't tell us fully her backstory we just know she is a contemporary of nick fury she seems to be british or at the very least had a conversation with another british person uh who seems to be either her superior or not her superior but like someone she might answer to or works with or something like that so a lot of lore there that i'm interested to see what happens so like we've got two characters who the lore one the lore behind them is really interesting but their performance they haven't gotten a lot to do yet the other they definitely got a lot to do and they shined but i don't know much in terms of lore behind them um as for gaia i think you know it's amelia clark she's doing a great job she got to fight um i still i want to ask you guys do you think she betrayed fury in the gang or yeah. did she actually 100%. betray uh, her people and just got outplayed no i think um, she betrayed because uh, they have a line early on, uh, Fury says to Talos, he's like, your weakness is your, I'm going to say sympathy or your mm. uh, compassion. No, compassion is your weakness. So she's going to play on dad, you know, mom's dead. And he's definitely trying to lean into that, like to manipulate her for sure. But I think there's some sincerity behind it. Uh, she's just playing him like a, like a fiddle. Yeah, I believe him when he says that her side led to the death of their mother. Yes. And I'm curious if once all that comes out, once she learns the truth, like that I feel like is going to be the moment she decides what side she's on. But I think it's really interesting that, that you know, it's been a while since we've had a villain with a really good point. Uh, and I think these guys, they've got a point. They uh, should have a home. They don't. A lot of people are at fault 
and they've turned their attention on to uh, Nick Fury, who made promises he couldn't keep. I think um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier had its problems, but I Just think thinking it, the same thing. Yeah, when it shined, it was dealing with like the the ter- the political turmoil, the human cost of something like the blip of people getting like radicalized in a way, mm-hmm. um, and you know finding their power in a world full of powerful people. Uh, I think that's interesting. I think to highlight the non-powered people and how they can lead to these villainous factions. It makes it so that She-Hulk had a really great scene where Daredevil's talking about the difference between henchmen and goons. And yes. I think like, this is how henchmen are born and they're much more interesting. Yeah, I love that. I, I yeah. love that you brought that up because, you know, this is the scrolls being on Earth was set up in Captain Marvel. And this basically is Fury's biggest um, kind of like misstep in not finding them a home he has had basically led them to revolt and now take matters into their own hand and now they want to take over the planet and make this their home and that's that's a lot of weight for fury for sure it's it's also kind of classic spy thriller fodder and in terms of plot and fodder always has like a negative connotation but i mean that in the most positive way this is like the this is like the fertile stuff that they they harvest into is like a spy thriller where it's just you you have uh, a government has uh tried to help a disenfranchised people but disenfranchises them even further and we see that in history and we see that in spy thrillers and it's perfect to have it that way and i love um is does not say much in this and i love that about him because he's just so it makes him more like they've tried this with so many people and so many movies and shows not just marvel try and make that menacing figure he cuts a menacing cloth immediately Mm -hmm. when he morphs in and they he just comes out and he stares him dead in the eyes and he's just blowing stuff up that is some sinister shit and i loved every second of it amelia clark i think is I think we are all kind of like wondering what she was going to be, but to be the radicalized daughter of Talos and to be within that spy world to give her something different. It's not Khaleesi 2.0. She's got a lot. She's got a. <laughs> she's got so much depth, which is something you could easily have done. But it's like she's got so much depth in there because I think she is truly emotional about her mom dying and maybe her people betrayed them but she also believes in that cause she's a she's a she's a a woman who is torn between two causes like and rightfully so she should be mad and torn against nick fury and thales but she should also be if true they killed like gravic killed her mom she's and then ultimately i'm hoping this makes the ultimate decision for her in the end the ultimate dramatic arc for her will be that and i think that's great Olivia Coleman, I was actually surprised at her performance in this one. Not that because in the trailers, we see her essentially always around interrogation and torture. And here it is. It's like this lovely scene of her having thought cheap saying to Nick Fury, you're not worth any high class spirits. Drink this toilet water, essentially. And it's great. It really is. It sends the antagonistical tone between the between them. And I really, I really, really like what she's doing with the character and there's so much for her to do and i just wanted to shout that beric dundarian the guy who, with the flame sword is in the beginning of this show as the conspiracy wielding prescott and i think oh that's he, him yeah oh that was cool i have questions about that over fire yep <laughs> was was he like like super dubbed 
That's his voice. No, 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 no. He's I mean, got like, a super scorched voice. No, no, no. But like he was too you know crisp. When they, you know when they do like ADR? Yeah. When they do was he like over ADR'd? Like it just seemed very like go watch that opening scene again. I've watched now, it twice. I noticed something too. Um, Maybe. but I, I thought it was just because they go from his narration to him talking as a live action character. And I thought that was like doing something to my ear, but you might be right. It might be. I was just looking at his mouth and I was like, is it CGI? Like what is happening? No, no. I, his, so they may have the, the level on him may have been sweetened too much as opposed to the softer nature of Martin Freeman's voice. Mm. I, I think maybe they they made his levels a little too intense, but he does have a very because I what he was on a show in BBC America called The Watch, and he had a he has a very very raspy voice, you know. So that's yeah. that's really gonna unless he was mumbling and talking too low, so they really had to dial him up. Maybe. That could have been the problem too. I don't know. I just it bothered me for a second, but you but did I feel like the the Garrick Barrick Dundarian. I had to bring that up. I love that <laughs> character. Well, you did bring up Martin Freeman, and that brings me to my next segment, which is, again, very simply, who's a scroll? Uh, we're going to be talking about this a lot over the next six episodes. I love it. Five more episodes. Is That is basically the premise of the show and, of course, the comic that it was based off of, loosely. Um, you don't know who to trust. Like, this is the ultimate spy thing. This is not just, like, double crosses and stuff, which we've seen in this episode, but literally any character in the MCU can be a scroll, which is crazy. And how long have they is another big question. So Everett Ross, um, we know he is uh he was a scroll in the beginning. He is most likely alive. It looks like they've been capturing these people and grabbing memories and stuff from them. Um, I do love that in this Wikipedia article that they put um that uh, Fury and Talos are forced to flee and abandon her. Does not say anything about her dead yeah so i wonder is you know maria hill has a lot of information maybe it, maybe she's not dead question mark a lot but, of information specifically about fury too exactly like, if they need so, to get in his head it might know. it would be a nice twist if she was alive and you know she was the cause of bringing but just this is kind of like our tinfoil hat ish section of like who do you think is a scroll based on who we know is going to be in the series as well as the characters that we've already been introduced to. And then just give me some wild ones that you want to throw out there. Um, I'll start with Bill since he looks like he's not ready. No, uh, I do want to say about the beginning of this episode, just sidetracking real quick. I loved um, the Martin Freeman of it all because when he, when he starts out, when he gets in there and starts listening to Prescott talk, I'm like, Oh, he's definitely a scroll. Everett Ross is our new Clark Gregg, by the way. He's our new, he's our new, like, (laughs) He's just I, like, yeah, he's everywhere. Uh, oh, I'll get into Clark Kirk in a minute. Um, so he, I, I was like, oh, he's definitely a scroll. And then he kills Prescott. And he's like, I need to get out of here. I'm like, oh, he's not a scroll? Okay. And then he's being chased. And this is the beauty of the scroll dynamic in the spy series. I'm like, oh, he's not a scroll, obviously. Then he falls to his death. I'm like, oh, fuck, they killed off Martin Freeman. Well, I guess he ain't coming back. And then I'll make, but also very shocking. We killed off Martin Freeman who we just saw a few months ago in Wakanda forever in a very emotional movie. And he's a scroll and he was actually chased by Talos. And I'm like, Holy shit. Perfect. This was great. Who do I, th- I just had to say that. Cause I just love that scene. And that set the tone for the whole series. Yeah. Um, who is a scroll? I think Rhodey is a scroll. Yeah. Rhodey or Mul- Mulroney. Yeah. The, 
<laughs> they, they sent too much like i tried to match up their I names so i couldn't do it uh i think roadie might be a scroll and what i would love if these motherfuckers pull this off i will almost i will jump out a window if they have a terrence howard like he morphs into terrence howard real quick oh and my god out. i have been saying this for a while like could they do imagine if they killed terrence howard and it's roadie oh wow. my god i would love it would it be would nuts. be i also think getting would, the reynolds yeah. rap I am watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for Bill versus the MCU. I feel like one, I'm not going to be stunned if one of Clark Gregg, Chloe Bennett, Ming-Na Wen, if they show up, scroll, non-scroll, if they sh- one of those three show up. Yeah. Because this is S.H.I.E.L.D. adjacent, this is yeah. all the people in there, and they could be using, especially Clark Gregg, if they have people to manipulate Fury, why would you not bring in well, Clark Gregg? Gonna- I was going to say, if Maria Hill is really dead, which she very much might be, is like, who best to console Fury than Coulson? Exactly, that because be there's so cool. many. Yeah, and then they use Colt, And like, I think it would be great. I don't know if they're going to go down that road, but it wouldn't stun me even if it's for a moment that I they think, would have it. Yeah, because the beauty of the whole thing, too, is yeah. like, on the one hand, narratively, you can play with, you know, Mariah Hill might be around. But from a logistical, like, metagaming kind of standpoint, you can still employ Colby Smulders. You can still, um, like, employ Clark Gregg. Like, Clark Gregg could just be used in, like, a scene where Nick Fury's captured to, like, get under his skin. Yeah. You know? Or something like that. You can bring these actors back without necessarily bringing the characters back. And so I would love to see Clark Gregg. They're also down a person now. So it's like, who is this team that is going to be? It's just Nick Fury and Talos against all of the scrolls so it's like who are they going to recruit like he actually in the comics nick fury leads a, a team called the secret warriors that's and, right and you know who's on that the, team i'm reading the marvel encyclopedia that's all you know who's on that team <laughs> no quake okay that's right and they're, all they're, right Chloe okay Bennett. so it would be really cool uh and she's also not having like a renaissance but she just did an incredible uh guest run on uh dave the new season of Dave. Oh, okay. So she's oh, really? fantastic in that. So, so, so good. I'm like, I miss watching her on screen. Like, she was so great in. Um, she really in is. Shield. I really like and her. And I love her. And she's definitely so underutilized. And she was so great in Dave. And I'm like, I really wish they would bring her back in some capacity. And this is the perfect series to do it. And yeah. Mingna went to. I don't know if oh, her car- what happened to her character, but okay. listen, she's a huge nerd. And like Beyond. so, she'll she. I think she would come back in a heartbeat. Like she's to have series, like she's I, the yeah, cal- she's the cavalry. Yep. Yeah, which I haven't found out why yet. Uh, yeah. But oh, like, even at, like, there's awesome. like, like you said, Tyler, like a moment here or there, a scene, a snippet, something. I don't think, I don't think we're gonna see like a Tony clone or a Nat clone yeah. or anything like that. But it'll be someone of that level. It, if it's if you know, you know. Yeah, yeah, that would be really. That's really- my Reynolds rap really cool i would love um, to see like bill was hitting on something earlier like you know fury's gonna have to fury's gonna have to prove he's still got moves he's still got tricks up his sleeve and i think it's like the secret warriors would be a pretty fucking groovy uh uh trick up his sleeve i think showing having quake roll out with a team or something like that would be pretty cool okay here's my question to you guys carol danvers was mentioned twice in this episode the marvels is coming out in november what do you think about a Carol Danvers, even at the end or whatever, do we see her at all? Yeah. Yeah, because he's in the Marvels. Yes. Yeah. So well, we I don't think, know when that takes place, really. 
Correct. So I think this has to be a lead in. I think we get I think we get Brie Larson by the end for sure. Part of, and may, part of and maybe kinda, Monica Rambo. Maybe more likely. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's true. Part of me kind of hopes not only because I love Brie Larson, love Captain Marvel, but I'm really liking this cat and mouse espionage game we're yeah. in. And she I'm Captain like, Marvel. I'm thinking like post end stinger. Yeah. Like yeah. post credit yeah. scene, maybe. But I kind of like the next time we see Brie Larson, if she's in um Miss Marvel's bedroom. Like I, I just kind of like the the, the mean, symmetry of that. Yeah, yeah, that is that is pretty great. But like again, it's never well, you're that not news. gonna see her. You're not gonna see Kamala Khan at all. Cause that will I love Kamala Khan, but that will that's not the vibe we're going for here. Agreed. No, but the way that we see her interact with Fury in the trailer, I was like, I can't so fucking great. wait to see this movie. I know. Oh, it's Sophie's <laughs> birthday movie. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Oh, um, excellent. Tyler, um, who's a scroll and who do you want to see? in this uh potentially as a scroll or something else yeah i mean um who's a scroll i do think it would make a lot of narrative sense if Rhodey ended up being a scroll because you know he's going to be a big part of armor wars this show that we're hearing a lot movie movie Movie. sorry uh movie that we know is happening we you know they're starting to like you know he's got to be establishing that in some way and I think if Armor Wars opens with Rhodey dealing with maybe losing the uh, War Machine suit, Rhodey maybe dealing with the aftermath of having been captured by the Skrulls or something like that, that's a good kickoff point. If yeah. we're just opening with Rhodey as like the president's right-hand man, yeah, you can definitely do stuff with that. But I think um, if they try to do something with him in this series to set that up, that could be a little more interesting. So. Uh, Oh, sorry, Gary. No, go, go ahead. Go. No, go. I, I'll well, I was just going to say, that said, it's a little, it could be a little difficult to, uh, Marvel, I think, is being careful about its asks. So asking people to have seen Secret Wars before they pay money to go to the theater to see Armor Wars uh, might be too big of an ask for them. So they might just leave Rhodey alone. But who knows? He's here yeah. for a reason. He was the first to declare Nick Fury and Mariah Hill AWOL, which, you know, that's not the side of the angels we know him to be on, so... Yeah, he's gone AWOL before himself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Ritson, Mr. Mister yeah. POTUS. I think he's a scroll. Um, you could you could make Olivia Coleman a scroll because she's awesome and she, she would be great at it. But I think that's your red herring and it's definitely the president. That's my okay. tinfoil hat kind of thing. Um, I, I think everyone has said great. I mean, I'm really kind of oh, wait. about Quake, but go. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I totally interrupted you, but something did just go. occur to me. I hope I'm not about to steal what you were going to say, but they've mentioned that in New World Order, Harrison Ford is going to be uh, Thaddeus Ross. Potentially. But wasn't that character also the president in comics at some point? He was, yeah. So perhaps we need to quickly get rid of a president to make way for that. Brave New World now. What is it? It's now Brave, Captain America Brave. Brave New World. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's way better than New World. Right? I mean, the wrestling fan of me is a little disappointed. <laughs> I wonder if uh, they try to sue. They own WWE and WWE. They don't own New World Order. I looked. Yeah, he is the president of the United States. Yeah, so so I, I, I totally stepped on you, Al, but that, that revelation no, I mean, hit me. That, that, that works, is, man. That's a good one. Lot of sense. But also four-year terms, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, no, no, he would have, he would have to. No, I think it makes perfect sense what Tyler's saying because if you think about this, the president 
has been outed as a scroll. So it's almost like military taking over. Yeah. Like Ross is oh. like, uh, get off my planet. You know, come on. <laughs> and if that's not the catchphrase, what are we doing here? Guys. Oh, and like, how do you become Red Hulk by being like, I have to stop this existential threat? Guys, like, we need. What if Harrison Ford isn't? Ooh. Could be. That would be pretty good. Could be. Pretty um, really good. All right. That gonna... would be a hell of a of a surprise. All right. We're going to go into, we're going to wrap up this uh, first episode of The Secret Evasion. Ah, this uh, is so much fun. We call it. I know this is great. Um, but you know what? This is like the first one where like since WandaVision, where we're like, ooh, theories. Yeah, What's exactly. it going to be? Yeah, this, this, is, this was great. All right. So last segment. This is the deepest, most irrelevant cut I could possibly imagine for a name of a segment. Only about five listeners total. But one specifically will understand this reference. Oh, I hope I get it. No one's going to get this. Okay. I'm calling this In Keeping Secrets Silent Earth 3, where our, we're going to be rating and reviewing. Yeah, see? The blank space, blank faces right there. Um, Wait, you said it so fast. Is Silent Earth 3 so, the reference? So, in, in Keeping Secrets Silent Earth 3. Um, I feel like that's either that, a Heroes or Lost It reference. is not. It's actually in the name of a Coheed and Cambria album. Uh, oh. he's also, he is also a giant nerd and has written comics and stuff, but it sounds so in line with the stuff that we're talking about. Keeping secrets, silent, you know, it is happening on Earth. This is that kind of feel. I really like this name and I don't care what you guys think. Um, but you have yes. to write it down when you're not here, so I remember to call it yeah, that. I'll be, yeah. I'll be here. I'll be here. Um, except for the one day that I'm not. That that's what I mean. Yep. All right. So <laughs> I do rating... love that there is probably one person on Earth being like, "Hell yeah, Al." <laughs> it's Nick Picaro. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. So ratings and review, uh, guys. Let me know um, what you rate this episode um, on a scale of one to ten. Dirty bombs. Um, Ooh, uh. Yeah. Right bad oh, uh let me do one so is a high number good or bad uh i'm gonna True. i'm gonna overrule that one all right let's see <laughs> one to ten uh i mean they're all i mean everything's pretty bleak in this episode i'm trying one to, to ten of... a well-groomed nick fury beards decoy bags i don't like any of these no that was even yeah, my they're all that was they're all bad uh including <laughs> nick fury has uh, a great be- he has a great beard in this uh oh i got it one to ten weird scroll plants oh yeah. okay yeah, yeah that was a that's a that was a that was a point of this episode yeah uh yeah check off scroll plant <laughs> check off scroll plant so, all right on a scale of one to ten check off skull scroll, scroll, scroll plants. Plants. that's how it is for every episode check off scroll plant what do you guys well. what do you guys rate this uh i'm gonna go real quick uh i'm gonna say this is a solid like eight out of ten um it kind of hooked me right from the beginning the really only thing that uh and we didn't get into this at all was the only thing that really uh didn't do it for me was the terribly terribly done uh ai opening credits that yeah. should be um lit on fire uh yeah. they were bad. Wasn't good wasn't very good. bad and uh, and um a very shitty thing for marvel and disney to do um i hope that this does not start a trend which it very much will um, I know a lot of uh, artists, friends, and people I follow um, on social media who are just disgusted by this, and uh, I am too. It's 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 not the way to go. You're taking jobs away from super super talented people, and on top of that, it looks like garbage. So yeah, fully uh, agree. So uh, that doesn't knock the actual episode for me, but 
uh, some there's some pacing issues, some some uh, I think some very kind of dull ish moments that don't make this a ten for me. But the stuff that works definitely works. Uh, so eight out of ten. Bill. I'm gonna go eight and a half out of ten. Um, uh, Chekhov's uh, scroll plants <laughs> because uh, I really love the world they've built here. I love this is a great table setting episode and by table setting i don't mean just plot points i mean like like atmosphere mood vibe you know what we're gonna what this whole nick fury is too old for this shit type of uh story arc we're going for here the revenge uh for kravik the 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 split uh for for gaia the you know and and thalos who who kind of is like who's in his own crisis you know i really liked what they did here this is what i was actually expect hoping they would do but yet somehow exceeded my expectations because i thought the execution was done so well and i really hope they can keep it up because sometimes uh spy thrillers really have that first great episode then just kind of lose the thread by meandering a bit but i'm hoping the six episode uh run will i uh, kind of uh curb that uh, and the pacing actually reminds me of a show people should check out called Slow Horses, which is on Apple TV Plus with Gary Oldman, very British spy thrillery. So yeah, go check that out. But yeah, I am very excited for this show. It really, really was awesome. Tyler. Yeah, that sounds cool. I'm going to look into that show. Uh, I'm going to keep with the trend. I'm going to give this an eight. Um, you know, that's high marks, but room to grow. And I do think the series 100% can grow. Uh, I think this sets up it was it's just the best pilot for one of these shows we've seen in a while it did so much world building it's it established new characters but not too many new characters and every single one of those characters got some kind of story arc that we can flesh out some kind of stakes some kind of motivation um you know everyone's got skin in this game they've set up a work like a sort of like world of political intrigue in terms of what the scrolls want the cause that they're fighting for and all of that it's really good. And then you've got Nick Fury, who is sort of the kingpin of all of this, uh, metaphorical kingpin, not literal kingpin for the Marvel Universe. But, um, you know, he he too has his story arc where, you know, is he too old for this? Is he going to get his faith back in espionage and what he does? Um, and I just think all these Marvel shows are at their best when they're doing something the movies can't. The movies are bogged down in their way by, you know, a superhero comes on and has an adventure. Whereas the shows can do things like WandaVision where they're exploring different genres, Loki, where he's, you know, traveling through time. This is our espionage thriller. This is our, you know, installment of that genre. And so far it's been really good as someone who's a fan of that genre in general. I like seeing more spy shit. I like seeing Samuel L. Jackson swagger and I'm really excited where they're going from here. So there's room to go up, there's room to go down, but this initial outing, hard eight for me excellent all right well that's gonna wrap it up for our first uh bill what is the name uh that you're calling the secret invasion pod uh keep it secret keep it safe keep it secret keep it safe uh yeah so uh that's gonna wrap it up for uh the first episode of secret even keep it safe uh we're gonna be doing this for the next five weeks we have a very jam-packed summer obviously for pop culture uh, tons of incredible movies coming out, uh, including Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. We'll be uh, doing that. Interrupting the series, yeah. Interrupting the <laughs> series, doing that. We'll be talking about Mission Impossible okay. Dead Reckoning. We'll also have uh, some Comic-Con coverage from San Diego. Uh, that should be something uh, at this point. I, I literally just got my badge in the mail today. Uh, but as of right now, 
because of the writer's strike and every other looming Hollywood uh, nightmare that is uh, upon us, I have zero idea what Comic-Con is like. So it should be very interesting. And we're going to give our full report uh, when Ryan and I get back uh, at the end of July. Um, but before we sign off, um, let's uh, look, tell everybody where you, uh, where people can find your work, where people can hear your thoughts on Secret Invasion, where people can podcast. Bill, let's limit it to just five today. Um, <laughs> and uh, a pop culture recommendation what you guys are uh, listening to, watching, reading, any of that nonsense. Bill, we'll start with you since you take the longest. Uh, yeah, at Bodkin Writes on Twitter. Check out thepopbreak.com every single day movie and music season in full swing at the pop break on instagram and twitter a lot of great new photographers a lot of great new writers go check them out uh so uh check out my other shows bill versus the mcu and anchored in asbury on the pop break today feed uh that's a lot of fun uh we just talked about phase five uh guardians and quantum mania and then we i interviewed a fellow pop breaker and comedian angelo gingerelli for anchored in asbury it was probably one of my favorite anchored in asbury's i hope people check that one out uh as for a pop culture recommendation uh it's it's gonna be across the spider-verse i just saw mm. it it was amazing um i took my daughter to see it she loved it uh it's just beautifully again i said like beautifully animated a wonderful story terrifically acted funny as hell go check it out if you haven't already Tyler. Um, you can find my writing. Uh, I write for all of the editorial sites under the NBC Universal banner. So that's NBC Insider, USA Insider, Sci-Fi, and a very little bit of Bravo. Uh, so you can find a lot of my work there. Um, if you're a fan of any NBC property or anything on Peacock, you can find some editorial content about it on all of those websites. Um, as for podcasts, uh, you can hear me and my lovely wife. We co-host a podcast on the Pop Break Today feed called Not Couple Goals where we uh, watch and review and discuss romantic thrillers. Um, Al, we have to have you on at some point very soon, I hope. Um, yeah, I would love to. Get the whole socially oh, distanced crew on show. there. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Oh, wait, it's romant romantic thrillers? Yeah, I did yeah. I did Ghost. It was yep. great. Amanda did, um, oh God, what's the name of the movie? It starred Heather Graham and uh, um, one of the Fines brothers. It's great. You find it on the, it was a great episode. Um, yeah, so Al, we'll talk after this. I'll get you. I'll get you scheduled. Okay. As for a pop culture recommendation, you can find that show on the Pop Break today. Uh, as for a pop culture recommendation, I think I've mentioned this show on the podcast before because it's really my favorite show. Uh, we're recording this the day before season three drops on what is now Max. It is Warrior. Um, yeah. So many good things about this. One yeah, of the best same. shows. It's going so under the radar, but it is. It has so much like cultural relevance. It tells the story of the Asian American community in San Francisco, a heightened version, the gang wars, the Tong wars, all the racism that was felt. And it's based on the writings of Bruce Lee. So it has got some of the best fight scenes in the game right now. Don't sleep on this show. I really wanted to get a fourth season. Catch up now. Give them the numbers. Um, yeah, Warrior. I know what movie I want to do. We'll talk about it after. I'll okay, tell good. people. I'll tell people where they can find you. You can find me at Al Manorino on Instagram and Twitter. I just covered the uh, Barefoot Country Music Festival. There was a four-day music festival in Wildwood. I covered one day uh, with Blake Shelton as the headliner. Um, I then covered uh, RuPaul's uh, Drag Race Work the World Tour, mouthful. Um, that was in the Tropicana in Atlantic City. It was the start of a 
100 city global tour uh multi multi-million dollar production very very entertaining like something you would see like something that you would pay big money to go see in vegas that you can go see uh in a city near you so definitely check that out my review is uh on newjersey.com uh at some point someday there will be a review of the AC Beer Fest on the popbreak.com. That's okay, but it will be on very, very soon um, with some photos of the band 311. Um, Yeah, and then pop culture recommendation. Um, I don't know, man. I just started re-watching The West Wing because I want to feel happiness Ah. again. You know, I, I love, is, love that the, is, that, is that the show you get happy with? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so good. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I've been... Uh, I've been watching, uh, I've just started kind of just randomly watching that. I mentioned Dave already. Um, yeah, not, not too much right now, but I'm sure I'll have some in the future. I'll probably miss it. But yeah, that's it for me. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. And come back next week for a little bit more Secret Invasion.